Hello, and welcome to the Naked Truth Teller podcast, where we share the naked truth of it all as we see it. I'm Chelsea, the daughter. And I'm Tara, the mom. We hope you've brought an open mind and your sense of humor. Get ready to feel seen, challenged, and if you're searching for truth, our hope is that you find yours while listening to us share ours, or at the very least, be entertained. We are so happy you're here and hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, and thanks for joining us. I am Chelsea, the daughter. And I am Tara, the mom. And today we are going to strip down Chelsea's path to motherhood. That starts with me finding out I am infertile. So (laughs) get ready for a really uplifting, upbeat chat. (laughs) Just kidding. The goal is to be informative and supportive. I mean, we're not trying to be a downer no at all Mm -hmm. but of course this is a sad topic it's a hard 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 topic yes kind of one i've been dreading all week yeah but first let's check in chelsea how have you been well i've been listening to all of our podcast episodes at least one time and I cannot really stand the sound of my own voice most of us hate hearing mine too yeah that's a common thing great And we, yeah, it's been a challenge to listen, but it's been good. I have learned that I have some really annoying quirks when I talk (laughs) that are not cute. It's just something to be mindful of. And, (laughs) and, you know, I'm sitting here with my mom always in like a relaxed setting and still some of the topics we have talked about or are going to talk about are challenging. So, you know, I get emotional and even though I'm fairly prepared when I get emotional, I struggle to articulate my thoughts and feelings really well verbally. Well, yeah, but I think that's pretty natural for everybody. Right. Yeah. I almost cried one time and I was like, don't, you can't cry. Get it together. Yeah. How horrible would that Mm. be? It's embarrassing. That would be terrible. Yeah. Cause I mean, I don't cry. I mean, I have total control of all my emotions at all times. So. <laughs> right. Another thing um, that I have learned well overall is just that I think I need to be way more prepared and organized in my thoughts. I mean, obviously we're sitting back having a conversation, but because sometimes it gets emotional, I just want to be more prepared. So it's not as annoying to listen to us. <laughs> so I'll do better with that self-reflection. I just have to bring it back to our toxic relationship episode. I think a lot of what I said personally could have been misinterpreted as judgmental or otherwise. We talked for hours that day and I struggled to stay on task. And when I said that cutting off a loved one who was in a toxic relationship is the worst thing you can do. I was, I was thinking of an abusive relationship. Now toxicity and abuse obviously go hand in hand. Right. Right. And I do stand by what I said. I wholeheartedly believe that cutting off support from someone because you don't like how their partner is treating them is just really wrong. And I think in most cases, that's not helpful for anyone. And there are a lot of reasons I believe that. Like, I think it plays into the abuser's hand and their manipulation tactics. I, you know, I think that the abuser's goal is to isolate their partner and have them be solely dependent upon them. And you're, you know, your loved one's more likely to run into their arms to find themselves even deeper in an unhealthy relationship. If you cut ties. Yeah. Detrimental. Yeah. But like, we got to, here I go again. Like that topic specifically of abuse is for a different chat. And I got off topic 
that day. My point then was that no matter who a person is to you or what your situation is with that person or what you think their relationship is with someone else, you have to set healthy healthy boundaries for yourself. And that may very well look like cutting ties or ultimately result in you having to cut ties. But you have to make that choice. You have to go with your gut on that. And also, you know, we're all flawed humans, obviously. And I know that I have been that toxic someone for someone else. And I have also contributed to a toxic relationship in my past, but we are all capable of change if we are willing to admit our shortcomings and then also do the work to be better. And mom and I are just sharing our truths here, but that does not mean that we live it out perfectly 100% of the time. I wish. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. And we also try really hard to, we all have stuff to work on. And I believe in offering grace and kindness to everyone and most importantly to ourselves. And you can do that when you set boundaries. In fact, I think it's unhealthy and unkind not to set boundaries. And sometimes the kindest thing you can do is to to set boundaries. In fact, I think the greatest act of love for you and someone else might just be to cut ties. So true. As hard as that is, as hard as that is, as painful as that can be. Yep. So that was a long check-in, but those are my thoughts. And otherwise I'm doing well and nervous to get into this, but I'm also fairly prepared. I think mom, how are you? What's new? Yeah, I'm good. Um, this week has been good week. Like it's been busy. Um, but, and this topic has been heavy on my mind, but it's, we're living it right now. So mm-hmm. that makes it even heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm just ready to get into it. Okay. Well, let's do that then. Whew. Okay. Deep breath. Here we go. <laughs> my goodness. I have decided to share some of my infertility story with you today because I believe there are people in my life who would like to know, who just don't know a whole lot about what I've been through or even what I'm currently going through. And that's because I haven't shared in large part. And I don't think too many people do share, which is sad because that would have been helpful for you going through this. Yeah. And if you're listening, but don't know me, but have been touched by infertility in some way, perhaps you are going through it yourself right now. I do think that listening will be beneficial to you as well. I sure hope so. If for no other reason than to relate to my story and know that you aren't alone, as mom just alluded to, I think that is the most important thing, right? Right. Yeah. It's always better to know. And it helps. Like it helps you to get through it a little easier. It does. So I have been told that this topic of infertility is a hard one to bring up with me. Big shock, right? Well, yeah, you are so difficult. I am kind of close. Really difficult to approach. (laughs) No, but I totally get it. Like this is a tough topic. People have said, I don't know what to say or how to say it. And I don't know what to ask or when to ask. And I just, you know, I don't want to upset you. I don't want to come across as judgy. And truth be told, there have been people that have had the courage to bring it up to me. And what do you know? They got me on a really weak moment, a bad day. And I didn't respond the best. Like I seriously have said, I, you know, I really can't talk about it right now. Or I'll keep it really brief and surface and smile and say, you know, things are going really well, you know, and (laughs) I just got done crying in the bathroom, you know, and afterwards I'm like, dang it. Like, why did I say that? And why did I pretend all is well? Or I should have said more or I needed, I needed to say more. And I seriously hate when that has happened. 
And I also try to offer myself grace. Like I'm still very much in this journey. And along with that, people can't give us the support that we need if they don't know what we need. It is truly hard to know what to say, what to ask. You Mm -hmm. do want to be helpful, but it is really hard to know what to say, even as your mom. Yeah. It's a tough thing. I'm sure. And the only way people are going to know how to show up the way we'd like them to, for sure, Mm -hmm. is if we talk about the hard stuff, if we share what's been going on, how we feel and what we need. And if you aren't ready to share, totally fine. If you're ready to share, but you have a weak moment and don't communicate well, it's all good. I mean, you know, and I know the people in my life that truly have good intentions and want to walk alongside me in this. So just like I think we need to offer ourselves grace, you have to offer those people grace too when they don't give you exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, if you've been direct with someone about what you need and they don't get it right time after time, they might not be a safe person. Right. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Right. But man, this infertility, it is a heavy cross to bear. And like any hurdle in life, the more we talk about it, the better we all, we all need support. We all need to know we're not alone. And while I'm very aware that I am not alone in this specific journey of mine, it has been hard for me not to feel lonely at times. So sharing right now with my mom on this (laughs) podcast episode feels super safe. So I'm going to go for it. Yeah, this is, I don't think there's probably a harder subject out there to honest, to be honest. I don't know. It's up there. Yeah. Motherhood is, I mean, it's, it's important. Like it is your, I mean, when I was five years old, I knew my goal in life was to be a mom. That's exactly what I wanted. And I got a new baby doll every year for Christmas. I couldn't wait to get that baby a doll. And I'm even still at this day, I kind of would buy myself a doll. (laughs) You would? Yeah, I love them. I love shopping in that aisle. I love seeing, (laughs) I mean, there's just something about a baby. And I think even after I've, obviously I'm not having any more children Hmm. um, and having my grandchildren, what icing on the cake, just an extra gift on top. So the thought, and honestly, for a little while, when I first got married to Tony, I thought maybe I couldn't get pregnant because it didn't happen so quick like everybody else's did. How long did it take? Well, I mean, it didn't take that terribly long, but a couple months went by and my sister who was an RN said, listen, idiot, do you know that you can't, not every day of the week you can get pregnant? Like what? Like we had friends in high school who got pregnant. What are you talking about? (laughs) And uh, so she actually wrote on the calendar, she put X's on the calendar on the days that I could get pregnant. And guess what? That yeah, I got pregnant. That helps. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Tony got to live. But yeah, I, I can't imagine. It just never, ever occurred to me ever in my thought process that I would not be a mom. Yeah. So I can't imagine what people go through, although I can now because I visualize it with you. Mm-hmm. The thought process of maybe I'm not going to be a mom. Like that's, it's hugely heavy. And I, I think women, especially in men, I'm sure do too. There's a nurturing sense inside of us. And so the fact that maybe you're not going to be able to nurture um, a child is, eh, it's pretty scary. It's a very scary, dark thing. Yes. Well, on that happy note, should we get started with my, always just just begin here or just, okay. I think jump in.
Okay, so my husband Nathan and I started dating when I was 33. We got engaged in 2019 and married in 2020. I was 35 when we got married. I was ready to start trying to get pregnant right away before we even got married. Our therapist though, she encouraged us to enjoy our engagement, our wedding and our honeymoon and my doctor did as well. So she said, I remember her saying, I don't want you to get pregnant and then just be sick throughout your entire, you know, wedding and when you guys are away for your honeymoon. So, okay, fine. Um, <laughs> and my doctor in OBGYN, she has taken care of me since I was 20 years old and she has always assured me that I am healthy and in the last five years or so before Nathan and I even started dating, you know, would assure me that I would be a mom as I got worried, you know, as I was getting older and was single, but no red flags ever arose for her to indicate that I would need to be recommended to see a specialist for fertility. So I was just always told everything looked great. I was healthy. She had me start on some prenatal vitamins before we got married. So I was on those for about six months before we started trying. But yeah, as soon as we got married that night, we we're done with birth control pills and got started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When we were all very excited about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone kind of knew Hopeful. my plan. Yeah. <laughs> um, a quick aside out of respect for my husband and our marriage, I'm going to avoid sharing some details about a lot of this journey that involves him or just us as a couple. Maybe he will join us for an episode and share like his side, his perspective, and we would be able to share like everything. Yeah. Uh, but for now, um, it's just going to be a little bit surface in some areas, but I think even still, I can provide a really good picture and explanation of the steps we have taken to date. So yeah. And yeah. someday it would be great to have the male side of it, the male perspective. But yeah, I think at this point, yeah, that's, it's better to go with what you're doing. Yeah. So February 29th, 2020, we started trying. And prior to trying, I got really familiar with ovulation testing. There's so many different kits out there and apps that you can purchase and try. I was using several at first until I realized they all were consistently saying the same thing about my body and providing the same results. So I just used the one that I liked the most. And it was really exciting to see that I was ovulating. I remember that early on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and after two months of trying and we had no success and then, um, April of that year, 2020 COVID was hitting big and bad. And Nathan was concerned. I mean, I was too, the whole world was right. And so we just took a month off to see what the world was going to do. What was this COVID really all about? Was it smart to try to bring a life into the right. world at that point in time? So yeah, made sense. Yeah. And then in May we had no success in June. All of a sudden I had multiple lumps in one of my breasts and they did a biopsy. And right after the biopsy results, they scheduled surgery a week later. And so <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, this must be something serious. So <laughs> the doctor said no trying for baby until after the surgery and after getting those results. So Everything was fine, no cancer, and he wanted me to start a medication, my surgeon, to uh, prevent me from getting cancer because my risk is pretty high now, but you can't 
be pregnant or be trying to get pregnant on this medication. So I told him, no, thank you. And he said, okay, well, good luck with trying. And, you know, let me know when you're done trying because we need to get you on this medication. Okay. So we got back to trying right away and time went on with no success. And after eight months of trying, I scheduled an appointment with a fertility specialist. Yay. Yeah. Good the, yeah, the joy of going to a fertility clinic. Um, I don't know if you knew this mom, but at the age of 35 for a woman, if you are not successful in trying to conceive a child after six months, you are deemed infertile. No, I had no idea. Yeah. It just yeah. blows my mind. Yeah. And if you're younger than that, though, younger than 35, if you've tried for a year with no success, then you are deemed infertile and they... I recommend that you go see a fertility specialist. There have to be a lot of infertile people out there. Is all I can think of. Well, yeah, I But yeah, I, don't know. I this just all seems so new to me. Yeah, I really have no idea on the specific statistics of all of that. I just think it's a shocking fact. I mean, that's what's out there right now. The six months or a year after trying, depending on your age, you're deemed infertile and should go see a specialist. So Yeah, so I think a lot of people out there must... Well, obviously, you don't talk about it if you're infertile. If you're not able to have a baby and you've been trying, you just don't talk about it. Yeah. And so you don't hear about it, and it seems like you're kind of alone in this world. Yeah. It definitely does. So without giving a lot of details, once again, I will say that the entire process to this point had been very much opposite of what I had imagined and dreamed and planned. I was confused. I was feeling exhausted and alone. I was starting to fight off some serious sadness at this point. So I found a therapist and started seeing her weekly. And I've been seeing her weekly for over two years. And therapy Thursdays are one of the best days of my week. We also started seeing our pastor at this time for additional support and guidance. Okay, so fertility clinic. This experience was a total whirlwind and mostly negative. Very disappointing. Yep. It all started with testing to see what we're working with, right? So ultrasounds, vaginal x-rays, a lot of lab work. Nathan had his sperm tested. We did everything that was recommended, which was everything that they offer. It was extensive and invasive, but I loved how fast moving this doctor and this, this clinic was overall. There was, there is no time to be wasted. And that's always something that you're thinking about. That's something that stresses me out. Probably that's one of the top things that stresses me out sure. time. So I really appreciated how fast they worked. All the results came back and shockingly enough, I was shocked. I was certain something was wrong with me. I was told I was healthy. In fact, they were impressed with all of my results. One nurse was, she called me with my progesterone level results and was thrilled. She could not, <laughs> she was very impressed. So Nathan's results also came back good. We were so happy, but that meant our diagnosis was unexplained infertility. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Yay. <laughs> Makes so, no sense. Yeah. So frustrating. The only recommendation was IUI, which stands for intrauterine insemination. What that looks like. To start, I was put on a high dose of Clomid. Letrozole is another medication used, and it helps stimulate ovulation. I had some negative side effects with this one. It caused me to feel 
very uncomfortable, I will say. Then you use a doctor recommended kit to test for peak ovulation, which is when you have this surge of a certain hormone. And when I tested positive, I would call the office and it could be any, any day of the week, weekend, any time. And then they would schedule you for the IUI procedure that same day or the next day. Nathan would drive a fresh sample of his sperm to the office within an hour of me having the procedure. And during that hour is when they wash his sperm, which sounds weird. What they do is separate the sperm from the seminal fluid. And Nathan's sperm count was always really high, right where they wanted it. Again, very happy with his health and how things looked for him. And then I would go in and I would go in alone and they show you that the sperm they're about to place in your um, uterus is your husband's. Yeah, fingers crossed, right? Good start. Good Good start. start. Yep. (laughs) That always made me feel uneasy, but always good to see everything was labeled correctly. And, (laughs) And then a catheter is used to place that sperm in your uterus and the doctor's The doctor had shared with me that the process is usually quick and painless. And, you know, that first time it was a bit of a struggle. Um, But in the end, the nurse got it done. I just really tried my best to go to my happy place and pray because you want to keep stress down, of course. And afterwards, I remember feeling so dizzy and hot. (laughs) The nurse, like, would apologize and say, you know, everything went really well. Take your time. You can stay in this room for as long as you want. And I would always just lay there and say a prayer and talk to my gram and be on my way. I remember that first time I felt certain that it took that I was pregnant. You know, I was going to conceive. It was going to work. And I would be painful and cramp for a few days afterwards and then just, you know, wait those dreaded two weeks. Anyone who is trying to conceive a child is familiar with that two week wait. And you just, between ovulation and when you can test positive for pregnancy, that's, that's what I'm talking about. So I got to the end of those two weeks and I had a negative pregnancy test. So frustrating. So we decided to do another IUI. In fact, we did it two more times. And the goal with an IUI is to have the maximum amount of sperm in the uterus. The sperm still have to get to the egg themselves, but this gets them as close as possible and provides the best chance. And it's like specific timing as well. So it's, you know, when I'm at peak ovulation. So it's, yeah, it's the best chance. But after the third and unsuccessful attempt, I had a gut feeling the doctor was going to recommend IVF. So... When I got my period after our final IUI, I immediately started to research IVF. Literally, I used the restroom. Hello, period. Damn it. And (laughs) yeah, sad. And then I called the fertility clinic. They were horrible about communicating, horrible about getting back to me quickly or with the specific information I was requesting. But that day I psycho dialed. I emailed multiple different people. I was going to get a response and I was going to get the answers that I wanted and needed. I called pharmacies. I called and got the price for every potential drug that I might be prescribed for IVF. I called our insurance company to get coverage information on every potential procedure and every potential drug that I might be put on for IVF. 
I had all the information I could possibly get in one day. Oh, and I scheduled an appointment with our fertility doctor because I wanted to meet with him face to face and talk about these IUIs, why they didn't work and if we should do more or if he was going to recommend IVF like I felt like he was going to do. So my husband got home from work that night and I told him, first of all, um, my period's here. I had negative pregnancy tests that my period showed up and quickly skipped over that painful truth and shared all my research with him. And again, I will not go into detail, but Nathan and I were not on the same page as far as what we would do moving forward from this point. So we went to that appointment together that I had scheduled and the doctor stated that there was no reason the IUIs didn't work because once again, we were both healthy. And he said, sometimes we just don't get to know the reasons. He said that continuing to do IUIs would not increase our odds of conceiving and that we needed to start IVF. And he recommended we get going soon with that. And I felt like the meeting was really rushed and emotionless. He made a lot of stupid jokes about the Cyclones and the Hawkeyes that day. And I had a list of questions in front of me. And I just remember feeling really, I was furious. And I also was like trying not to cry. But I was so angry because it just felt like he didn't care. Yeah. And you're getting closer to the end of the rope, end of the line. Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's truly scary for you. There's no room for joking. No. So I had tunnel vision at that point. I'm going to be honest. If IVF was the only option for me to have a baby, I was going to do it. But like with every decision I've made in this journey, I research the hell out of it. I pray about it. I talk with family and friends, doctors, you name it. Like I'm not just, I'm not going to go into anything blindly. No, I'm it, not. This is a big, 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 huge decision. Yeah. So in doing more research about IVF, <laughs> gosh, there's so much about it that I didn't know. You create embryos. You may create more than one embryo with IVF. And my doctor had said, we would not put more than two embryos back into your uterus. <clears throat> so if you created more than two, you'd have to choose which embryos to get rid of. And they would only put up to two healthy embryos. So if they were deemed unhealthy, they weren't an option for me. That was, <sighs> yeah, it, it takes your breath away and causes you to really pause. It did. It did. I believe that an embryo is a life. When you test positive for pregnancy, no matter how early on or how far along you are, you have created a life. Right. Of course. Right. So I could not be okay with choosing to with potentially having to choose to end any of my baby's lives to end the life of any, any yeah. life I created or choose to store them in a fridge or freezer somewhere. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't gel well in your head and yet you're desperate to have a child. It's, it's a pretty tough thing to juggle back and forth in your brain. It really was. And it would have been expensive for us. Yes. But we could have afforded it. I think it absolutely would have been a strain on our marriage at that point. We were already, we were already strained. Yeah. It's not an easy prog 
process no marriage but we would have been okay but ultimately i could not go down this path because of that reason because of having to choose which children i had created didn't get to live yeah i mean yeah that was a huge possibility and Mm -hmm. yeah no now i am by no means placing judgment on those who have chosen to do IVF. I know people who have had successful or unsuccessful IVF rounds and those who have had children thanks to IVF, those children are absolutely a blessing. And while I don't agree with that path, I respect people's right to choose what is best for them. Of course. You know? Yeah. And so I just, you know, I hope people listening respect my choice, yeah. even if you wholeheartedly disagree with me. That's, that's okay. And you're right. Right. Exactly. Um, so at that point, that doctor was not going to work with us any longer. If we didn't do IVF, they weren't going to allow us to do IUI and we were healthy. So there was nothing he could do for me. End of the road for us. Yeah, you're done. Yep. So just go relax and you'll get pregnant. Yeah. Just stop stressing about it. Take a vacation. Boom. It'll happen. I found a new (laughs) fertility doctor. Well, I didn't find this for doctor. Actually, he came highly recommended by someone who was very dear to me. And then also through someone my mom knows, these people do not know each other. But (laughs) this doctor, I, I knew about him before I even started working with the first fertility doctor. And I just didn't go that route. Yeah. So... I scheduled an appointment and did all the paperwork and (laughs) I canceled at the last minute because I just could not bring myself to start over. Well, you were hugely emotional at that time and very, very, very sad and to have to start the progress from scratch again. And again, time is of the essence Mm -hmm. and you're just going to have to start over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, at this point in our, in this process, I was the most sad I had ever been. And Nathan and I were just really going through it. I was so tired. Ah, it was a scary place to be. Like, yeah, definitely the darkest. Yeah. We started couples therapy at that point in time. I started Weight Watchers. I left my job, a job <laughs> that was hugely meaningful and in line with my heart. But the stress was so high and it was so unsafe. And so I was like, what can I do to lower stress in my life? Um. Yeah, I just, we Nathan and I scheduled a vacation. I was incorporating green products into our um, home and just, <laughs> you know, I just really wanted to be as healthy as I could be. I was reading all these books and I just felt like there was something missing, something that I wasn't doing that could have helped me to conceive. Even though I was told I was healthy, I just felt like I could do more. Right. It had to be something. It had to be your fault, of course. Something you were doing not quite right. I really did think that. Mm -hmm. I really did. (sighs) So after a couple of months of that, a few months, um, I rescheduled an appointment and went. (laughs) Hallelujah. Yeah. Now, this doctor and this team are very religious. They have a more natural, holistic approach to treatment. They have you attend a class to learn how to track or cycle, excuse me. And that is such a crucial part of their treatment, learning how to chart. 
And I had to do that chart every single day, all day for three months. And every two weeks I would meet with my provider to make sure I was charting correctly. And once they decided, yep, okay, she's charting, she knows what she's doing. Then they start all the lab work. And I've never had so much blood work done on myself in such a short amount of time. They do it all within one cycle. I hate needles. I mean, I have a serious yeah. issue with needles, but I, I did it. And then they, they go over all their findings with you. And I had some serious defects at the Praise beginning. Praise the Lord. We found some problems. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay for problems. Yeah, but I had defects at the beginning and end of my cycle. My cycles were really short. My hormone levels were off. My progesterone levels were extremely low. So low that it would be near impossible to conceive. And if I did conceive, I I wouldn't be able to, to carry that. I would lose the child. Oh. Uh, and highly likely that I had endometriosis. So, wow. I mean, this unexplained infertility wasn't unexplained at no. all. Lots and lots of lots of reasons for mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, getting to this point took several months and that was really frustrating for me at first. You know, the first clinic was fast moving, but I didn't really get any true information. And so it was worth the, the time that it took. This doctor really invested in me and my health overall. And the, the cycling, that gives you cycling. Why do I keep, I cannot get it right. Charting for heaven's sakes, <laughs> tracking the charting is such a large part as like what guides the doctor to recommending certain testing as well as treatment. It's, it's crucial. It's your body telling its story. So it's not a fast process, but it's all worth it. And so right away we started a lot more vitamins and progesterone uh, medication. I was also started on Clomid again. We rotate Clomid with Letrozole at the beginning of my cycles, but it's a really small dose. I still have some side effects, but nothing near as intense as when I, at the first clinic. So I chart every single day. I do monthly lab draws and I see the doctor at least every three months, but usually it's been quite more frequently than that. They also did an ultrasound series where I went in a handful of times during my cycle to see if I'm ovulating. Um, it, it was really cool to see it on those kits that I was ovulating, but to see everything internally and actually see the egg was really neat. Uh, so I've been with them for over a year now. Yeah. And they are wonderful people. They answer every single call. They I spend at least an hour with me every time I go in to see them. They have cried with me and it's just been such a blessing to know them and to get to the truth of the matter. And I, I feel like they really care about my overall health. Yes. They want to help me to be able to be a mother and make this dream of mine come true, but ultimately they want me to be healthy. Yeah. And you are, even though this has been the saddest time, um, once you met them and started working with them, your whole demeanor has changed. Your outlook has changed. And I, I think you and your body feel like you're on the right track. Yeah. And now, yeah, with all of the treatment that we've done, my cycles are longer. They are healthier. My progesterone levels are normal. I'm at a healthy weight. Um, they have truly fixed all that they can fix with the exception of the endometriosis. 
So the next recommendation is surgery. Oh um, gosh. Yeah. I have, I have met with the doctor and um, his amazing nurse and the doctor's wife to talk about this surgery many, many times asking the same questions over and over again. Why do I have to do this? Are you, are you certain I have to do this? Would you recommend this if I wasn't trying to get pregnant? And just going over all of my charting and lab work and yes, I need the surgery. And yes, he would recommend it if I wasn't trying to get pregnant because a healthy woman, excuse me, a fertile woman is a healthy woman. Yeah. And that and makes sense. And you all want to be healthy. You always have been. Yep. And so this procedure ultimately will provide a better quality of life for me and lessen my risk for certain types of cancer and provide the best chance for me to conceive. So they don't do this surgery in Iowa. No, of course not. So I will be doing this in Omaha. I am an established patient already at this hospital. Nathan and I have just changed our insurance, which will be effective January 1st, 2023. So as soon as we get that new insurance information, we'll be scheduling that appointment, praying it will be early in this next year. So that that's where we're at right now. We are just currently waiting for this procedure and ready for it to be behind us. Just on hold for a bit. Yep. So get this endometriosis taken care of and move to the next step. Yes. So it's been almost three years. <laughs> three wonderful, glorious years. Yes. <laughs> three, almost three years being married. And we have been on this journey since we got married. And whether you're in a new marriage, new relationship, or you've been together for a really long time, this is really hard on any couple. Yes. And I just, I can't, I can't recommend enough that you find your safe people to talk to, be it family, friends, a group therapy, a church group. <laughs> you have to, listening to podcasts, whatever, you need someone to talk to about this. And I, I always stress individual therapy as well as couples therapy. I yeah, highly recommend both of those. And looking back, I, it's hard not to get angry sometimes or obsess over lost time when I think about my first fertility doctor and all that time and all that we went through there and that it truly was for nothing in a lot of ways. But I have to be present in this moment and really focus on what I can do now and moving forward and just be so grateful that I found the doctor and team that I'm working with yeah. today. What, what great people. I had no idea. Well, obviously, I had no idea how difficult it could be to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, to find this group of people and how you found them, it's just, <laughs> it's meant to be. It absolutely is meant to be. It was meant to be. It was. So, you're all up to speed, everybody, on where I'm at. Yeah. In a nutshell. But 2023 is, is exciting. It's a little scary. Um, but it's it's exciting. Like, we... You're on a path and it feels right. Mm -hmm. And you know for a fact, I think with everything you've been through, I feel confident after watching you and Nathan go through these ups and downs, mm -hmm. like you two are going to make it through this, baby or no baby. But I just feel like, I don't know, I have from the beginning, no, I just feel like you're going to have a child. Yeah. I would really like it to be twins. <laughs> Me too. Because I've always wanted a set of twins in our family. My mom was a twin. 
Um, and so I just feel like none of us have had twins. Why wouldn't it be great for her to have twins? It would be so great. A boy so, and a girl. I would love that. <laughs> I would love it. Yeah. And, you know, I like what you said there. I know, baby or not, Nathan and I will be okay. Yeah. And that I will be healthy. So no matter what. Yeah. I, it's going to be yeah, okay. I think nothing, everything happens for a reason. And I think this has just made you two stronger. And... Yeah, regardless, life is good and we'll figure it out as we go. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited for, I am nervous about the surgery. I wish I could be there. Mm -hmm. um, and if I can, I will be. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we work at the same job, so that might not be possible, but we'll see. Nathan will be by her side and that's the most important part of it. And she'll do well and we'll move on to the next step. And I just want to say too, that there have been times where I've lost sight of the fact that my marriage comes before everything else, because this is such a motherhood is so important to me. Um, yeah. but I have checked myself several times and made sure that he and our marriage is a priority. It yeah, is. It needs to be Yeah, for sure. Always. <sighs> I need a break. Yeah. <laughs> Today we are leaving you with two quotes. The first is by Joseph Campbell. We must let go of the life that we planned so as to accept the one that is waiting for us. And mine is by Valerie Harper. However motherhood comes to you, it's a miracle. Again, my hope, my goal, and reasoning for deciding to share some of our infertility journey thus far, be it a nutshell of our story, is so that you can have a better understanding of what infertility can look like and to be reminded of the fact that you're not alone if you're going through it yourself. As I said, the journeys can look vastly different person to person and couple to couple. I had no idea that was true until I found myself in it. People can be closed or open to seeing a fertility doctor, and that's okay to Charting, I referred to it as tracking earlier, to medication, IUI, IVF, adoption, surrogacy, acupuncture, there's chiropractic care, the list goes on. People may try to conceive a child for a year or 15 years. The decisions made are based on our comfort zone, as I have said, our life circumstance, our health, both physical and mental, our financial means. The decisions are in alignment with our beliefs and values, our faith. They're what's best for us in our marriage all with the hope and prayer, so much prayer that we will be able to grow our family. Infertility takes so much choice from you. Please be mindful of this and do your best not to judge the painful choices that we are left with and are forced to face. Go with your gut and ask a ton of questions in order to find the best doctor for you. I'm going to stress that one more time. It's so important. My first specialist said I was healthy and recommended treatment that we did. It was invasive and really tough on my body and my mind, and it didn't work because it never would have worked. As it turned out, I was not healthy, and it was the second specialist who found that my progesterone levels were so low, among other defects, I would have never been able to conceive on my own or with the help of IUI. You deserve and need someone who will invest in your health, period. I'm far from the person I was three years ago before we started trying, almost three years ago now, and this is why. I do my best to hold on to who I am and to do the things that I love that bring me joy, to attend all the family functions and friend to get togethers, all of the showers, 
but it takes a lot of energy to do some of those things. And I'm going to miss some of them. I have missed some of these events. And it's because I'm, I'm carrying around this broken heart. And sometimes my peace and protecting my heart and my peace has to take priority, even though I don't want to miss a thing. I'm doing my best not to miss out on life while also giving this my absolute best shot. It's a constant balancing act. I believe that there is no greater purpose in this life, that there is no greater gift or joy or love than that of being a mother. And I know I may never be one. I also believe that love and joy can still be experienced without being a mom. You may just need to do some reconfiguring. And if I'm faced with that truth that I will never and can never have a child of my own, I'm going to do some reconfiguring because I believe this life is worth living. And I know that I have a lot of love to give and that my purpose will always remain with or without being a mom. well past time to wrap this one up, although we did not touch on everything we intended to. So please look for episodes in the future about how best to support someone who is struggling through infertility, as well as the perspective of the husband and grandparents. I think it would be nice to hear from mom about what it's like to watch me go through infertility and to be that grandma in waiting. Thank you so much for listening to my truth today. That brings us to the end of this episode, and I'm so glad that one is done. But you know what? That really wasn't too painful. No, it was a little heavy, but it was it's good. Like, it's important information. Yeah. Good. You good did job. a great job. Good job to you, too. Mm-hmm. So we're grateful that you listened, and we hope that you're taking something positive away. If you did enjoy, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. We are again, Naked Truth Tellers. You can follow us on Instagram at Naked Truth Tellers as well. Please share, tell your friends and family to check us out. But really the best way to spread the word is to give us a rating, give us a review. That helps out a lot. We'd super duper appreciate it. And be sure to join us next time for a discussion on our favorite things. Yes. Until we meet again, stay true to you. Bye. Bye.